Spoiler alert, Slash the Paradise encourages viewers to watch these horror films before listening to our show. Danny and Lance will go through everything, including filmmaking, dialogue, characters, and even full scene breakdowns when we get excited. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Slasher's Paradise. Danny, say hello. Hi, everybody. We're back. We're back. Hey, that's Carol Ann. But from part two, they're back. She's like, she's like sad about it. Oh, God, it's going to happen it's gonna, again. It's happening. That's, I guess, how we feel about you guys, your reaction to us. They're back. Oh, oh no. Question mark. Mm-hmm. No exclamation point. Exclamation point, question mark, hyphenated. No, we're we're back, folks. Uh yeah, it's been a little bit, Lance. It's been it's been a little too long. And yeah. So we gotta come back in a big way. I think so. Yeah, this is Slash's Paradise. What's the name of the show? Slash's Paradise. Well, I think then we should dive right back into what uh, we fell in love with to begin with. Not to say that anything we've been doing besides slasher movies has been bad. No, we we love all horror. This is a place where, of course, slashers can come relax and kick back and you know get their kill on. It's a big island, but also uh, other sorts of uh, horror. But if we're being honest, I think we have to be honest with yes. with everyone listening. Yes, slashers is our bread and butter, man. It's, it's in our, it's number one in our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. It's also number one on the field. If they were playing, you know how they're like, Hey, number whatever on the field, but number one in your hearts, they would also be number one on the field. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking of my one finger foam and it was a slasher on it. But would you be, so like, would you be in this case for this slasher in particular, would you be at a hockey game? Ooh, mm. that sounds intriguing. Yes, I folks, think I would be. if you have not yes. seen from the title Slasher's Paradise, we are definitely doing it. We're doing it, Lance. We're doing it big time. We're yes. jumping into uh, arguably one of the most iconic slashers uh, in the whole genre. I think so, because everyone basically, I'm not going to say ripped it off. Everyone, this was this was the blueprint uh-huh. for all, a lot of the movies that we've already covered and yeah. that we will cover. Mm-hmm. This was the blueprint. Okay. I believe. Well, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely the blueprint from what people may recognize more so. Uh, with a slasher movie, they think it has uh, gory kills, uh, some cheesiness to it, campiness yeah. and not, you know, there's is that the is that where they got the word? Is that camp. how campy camp. Camp. is because it is a camp horror movie? Yes. Camp OK, blood, I think. Well, yeah, there's maybe. definitely. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that, that there's a blueprint that is definitely associated with this franchise and this killer and this slasher. And folks, if you haven't guessed it by now, we're talking about. Friday the 13th. <laughs> Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. My goodness. Uh, no, most notably, before it became a horror movie franchise, it is still considered an unlucky day. Yes. An unlucky day in the in the year. So uh, there are superstitions uh, associated with Friday the 13th, right? Absolutely. Black cats. Black cats. Ladders. Don't walk under the ladder. Don't, uh, uh, don't, don't break mirrors. Don't whistle back at the owl. I didn't know that. One. Oh, no, maybe that's familiar. No, maybe that's just Mexican folklore. Yeah. It's called the lechuza, right? Okay. So you don't whistle back at it because it's like, Hoo-hoo! right? It's like doing its thing out there. It's like, Hoo-hoo-y! what does lechuza mean? It's basically an owl. Okay. Um, 
basically but it's like the barn owl you know the ones with like the snow no not barn owl like the uh snow owls with a white face mm-hmm. apparently these lechuzas can turn into and are shape-shifting witches and when they're whistling out there i'm not joke no joke this is actually a really true story uh this actually happened to my uncle and uh it's the reason that we all know not to uh I'm, don't laugh i'm telling you it's for real you're already <laughs> laughing no. no it's for real uh we were always warned as kids and um, we always thought it was just him making you know the story up and this story might be made up but you know he told it very convincingly and we, uh, all his brothers and my dad included, you know, corroborated the story. So basically, La Chusa is out there in the woods and it's, you know, nighttime and it's out there. And, you know, it doesn't sound like what I'm doing, but it just imagine an owl sort of like whistling. And it's like, you know, like, you know, just doing his owl thing. Okay. You can't whistle back. Because it's like in, it's like a, that urban legend. If you flash the lights at the car that doesn't have the headlights on, mm-hmm. then that means that you're inviting the car. You're like, hey, turn your ha- headlights on. You flash the lights. Yeah. But then the car is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get you now. It's a gang initiation, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like for the Lechuza, it's almost the same thing. You don't whistle back at it because that will cu- that will invite it. It's like inviting a vampire and it will invite it to okay. you. So what happened is that my uncle, he said he did it, right? And when he whistled, the lechuza came after him, but not just one, many. And he had to like get under the truck that was in his truck. He had to get under it like, you know, Jurassic World, you know, style where, you know, he's trying to get, he got under the truck and he just, you just, you heard all the, 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 talked about this before. Yes. Yes. You heard all the wings. And then next thing you know, he just like, you because they were flying by, they were flying by. And then it just like, it was about to land and then it turned into feet. That's terrifying. I'm telling How you. How have man. I never heard of this? Oh, because because it's the lechuza. You know? I've never heard of lechuza. Yeah, man. Um, and then it turned into feet and he closed his eyes, and then of course, you know, it eventually disappeared. But that's uh that's one of those urban legends, man. Wow. Yeah. There needs to be a whole horror franchise, basically. Oh, uh, for uh, uh, TM trademark, Danny Gonzalez, uh Slash's Paradise, yes. Lechusa, origin story, don't even touch it. Uh yeah, we're working on that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing it down as we speak. Absolutely. But we are talking today mostly about Friday the thirteenth, which is mostly known mm-hmm. for its its killer through the franchise. Yes. But not from the first movie. This is no. this is horror trivia from Scream, which we just talked about. <laughs> Name the Paradise. killer in Friday the thirteenth. Jason! Jason! I'm sorry. That's the wrong answer. Like he was so excited yes. to tell her that it was the wrong answer, right? Like that was that was big. Yeah. But yeah. because like he wasn't he he didn't specify which Friday the thirteenth. Mm-hmm. And if we're being te- and well act technically oh, your favorite uh is uh is not Jason Voorhees in the original horror movie. He's not he's not the killer. The killer is spoiler alert and folks you know we would love to invite you to put uh friday the 13th if you do not have it uh find it put it on and watch along with us or watch after or before it's a lot of fun it's a great movie we're talking about friday the 13th from 1980 and um yeah the original killer was not jason Voorhees in his hockey mask wield machete wielding self it is actually Pamela Voorhees. Pamela Voorhees. Oh, same last name. Why? Because hmm, that's his mama. Hey, hell hath. Hell, hell hath. Hell hath. No fury like a woman scorned. Well, let's let's you know kind of put like an addendum to that. Hell hath no fury like a mother scorned. So, <laughs> all right, let's start taking care of business and actually get down. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I we're already drinking our favorite beverages, but. 
as you know, if you've listened to Slash's Paradise before, we have this wonderful game mm-hmm. called Slashword. Oh, it's a great game. Danny, tell them all about it. Slashword is basically the horror version created by Slash's Paradise of the popular game Pathword as to where you, the listener, if you hear the slash word take a drink from your favorite beverage of choice whether it be uh we got some uh soda some purple stuff and or sunny d (laughs) or right that was the commercial whatever you got guys uh alcoholic or not be safe be uh hydrated um and definitely be involved in the slash word Yes. So for today, Danny, who is bringing us the slash word? Well, um, we tried very hard to get this person to bring us the slash word. And uh, we're very excited. Not only is this a first for Slashers Paradise to have an iconic slasher talking because they're usually silent. But it's a bit of a technical (laughs) slasher talking. Today, we are having Miss Pamela Voorhees. Whilst... (laughs) inhabiting and or channeling the spirit of her dead son jason giving us the slash word today all right so pamela jason uh please go ahead you're on the line give us our slash word of the night the slash word is jason kill her mommy kill her don't let her get away mommy Don't let her live. I won't, Jason. I won't. All right. Thank you very much, everyone. Please fill your tiki cups. Um, Yeah. Have have a good time. in there, a little rum. Yeah. I think have a good time tonight. Yeah. Make it a little tropical. It is a a paradise. That's Yeah. And you know what? We got to get back to our roots on that. I'm wearing a lay right now. Yeah. Uh, We both got laid. Yeah. (laughs) What? I can't make that joke. Mukalakahiki. I know you want to lay me. Pass the poem, Mahalo. You know what I realized? You know what was the funniest thing I realized is when we were doing this show, I was like, I became my hero at some point. I became Wayne from Wayne's World because Heck yeah. I have a public access show and I get to talk about whatever I want. I choose slashers and right. films, but I became my hero. I This is who I grew up watching. And I, can, Wayne's World. and I can drum. So I guess I'm Garth. You're Garth. <laughs> That's okay. Right, right on. On, man all right we are talking about friday the 13th today danny mm-hmm. more business let's get down to let's, the pumpkin spice latte absolutely uh friday the 13th uh is halloween in the woods <laughs> did you beat our shortest ever psl just now are okay. you kidding me <laughs> i just i had to folks if I, if if i i would be a disgrace to the fandom of of halloween if i did not mention that because uh that's quite frankly the truth but if we want to be if i'm going to be honest here's the pumpkin spice lock all right for friday 13 uh it centers around a small group of counselors uh who are trying to reopen a storied albeit bad history uh bad vibes and bad uh past of a summer camp and they're whilst doing that they are being stalked by an unknown assailant and uh must try to survive the night which is coincidentally on friday the 13th All right, and our breakdown for the film. It was released on May 9th, 1980. It was written by Victor Miller, 
directed by Sean S. Cunningham, and the budget was $550,000. Hey, that's a mortgage. <laughs> Somewhere Our else. box office ended up being $59 million. So they made uh, they made their budget back. Just yeah, we just missed uh, sixty million on this one. So uh, and starring uh, Betsy Palmer, Adrian King, uh, Janine Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know where I'm going next? Oh yes, the Who seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, or six degrees, but it doesn't matter. Kevin Bacon, uh, Robbie Morgan, uh-huh. Harry Crosby. That's a famous last name. It is. You know. You know what the 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 mix is here. You know who this this person is related to. Uh, Bing Crosby. Yes, it is. No, uh, Harry just... Crosby actually went for this role. Did not want uh, any connections to his father. Okay. Did not want to be hand. You know, no handouts. Maybe no go by a handouts. different last name then. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So Harry Crosby, Lori uh, Bartram, mm-hmm. and a slew of others. But um, that's our movie. That's our breakdown. Uh, of course, we have a uh, very important uh, to be mentioned as associated with this movie, uh, along with the titans of industry, as far as horror industry that you just mentioned, we definitely have to mention that Tom Savini is definitely uh, uh, attached to this movie. He is doing the special and or practical effects, all special effects, um, monster creating, as in he created Jason. When you see him in this movie, that was Tom Savini's creation, the boy in the lake. That was all him. So I don't know how rights work or anything like that, because I know there was some sort of a description, but he ends up being the re the, he is the, the reason that Jason, the boy in the lake looks that way. Right. Do you know, I have, uh, this goes back to, I mean, okay, let's just, let's just get into it. I guess we can just do that. Uh, I think everyone has a Friday the 13th series story, whether they were listening to it, sorry, uh, watching it on, you know, on a marathon. If, if it's Friday the 13th, you can bet your ass that there's going to be a marathon somewhere on cable, whether, uh, I mean, it was always like, I mean, Spike before that, it was like TNT. Oh yeah. Uh, TBS would do it. Uh, I think right now you'll see it like on the Paramount TV, um, you know, AMC, they'll all do, they all might be owned by the same company, quite honestly. But the, the point is, is that there was always, whether it, on Friday the 13th, there was always a marathon. Mm. I remember that as a kid. I remember being introduced because I was not old enough to watch any of these. I'm saying any of the. OK, that's not true. I watched, I think, Freddy versus Jason in theaters. So yeah. that technically counts. Maybe Jason X. I'm not sure. But none of the original Friday the 13th I was able to see in theaters. Yeah, same here. I was introduced to Jason and or the, you know, the original, obviously, because of Cable. Yeah. Cable introduced me to these movies. I think a lot of people are in our generation a little bit after definitely have that. I personally, I know I've invited you, have thrown Friday the 13th parties almost all the time and they're Jason centric and everybody came dressed as their favorite character from Friday the 13th. I fought the urge to be Shelly. I ended up being because there's not a lot of bearded characters in these movies, you know, because back then, if like in the eighties, right, it's like I think it was still like, you know, it's all about the clean cut. Well, what? It, okay, Sean S. Cunningham when he was casting this, when he was looking for the kids, what did he say? He says he wants kids that would be cast in a Pepsi commercial. And boy, did he! Yeah. Well, let's. I mean, like, it, mm-hmm. there's a certain. 
I believe the Friday the 13th movies hit me in a different nostalgia bone Mm -hmm. than the Halloween's and or maybe the nightmares will ever. It's different. It's just like you can there's something like summary about it. You know, there's it's an easy watch. I think so. You know, throughout the movie, there's horror elements, there's scary moments, Uh but it's there's so much shot during the day. I mean, it, it actually yes. happens over what? 24 hours. Yeah. The it's, first film. That we're it should be about. usually. A, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's a simple movie. It's, very it's a simple. very simple movie. It's a very simple story. You know, uh, something happened, uh, in 1958 at the camp, mm-hmm. uh, the original camp crystal lake. And that's how the movie opens. It opens with the original camp, uh, where it's picking up the day after, Jason has drowned. It's not the year after. I thought it was 57 that he drowned. Okay. So, so Jason has drowned by this point. Mm -hmm. So the camp is continuing on and no, it's not going to continue on because Jason isn't just some casualty, not according to Mrs. Voorhees. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) It's just not because she says, hell no, you're not going to have fun here at this camp. Right. You know, the counselors were too busy making love. They didn't. He wasn't. He wasn't a very good swimmer. (laughs) (laughs) I love that shit. I love it. I love the way she at the end of the movie when uh, Betsy Palmer, Pamela Voorhees is giving the explanation to basically the last surviving counselor Mm -hmm. as to why you know this shit. And, And it's not like nobody has warned other counselors about the history. Of this camp, mm-hmm. which I mean, it's called Camp Crystal Lake, but they ended up calling it Camp Blood. Yes. Right. OK. But so so the opening, it's it's very simple because when I say Halloween in the woods, I don't I'm not gatekeeping <laughs> horror guys. I'm not trying to like say that Halloween is the only thing that's good and everything else sucks because I am in a way. Yes. Saying that. But at the same time. <laughs> They intended to rip off Halloween and ride its coattails. That is an actual quote from uh, one of the filmmakers. Yes. And uh, he's from the writer. Actually. From the writer. Yeah. I want to ride the coattails of Halloween and ride it all the way to the bank. And they sure did. Because at this point, you know, this is the absolute heyday of the slasher film. And this was an, as much money as this one made, Lance. This one wasn't even the most lucrative of that year. No. Like it had stiff competition. Yeah, where we had The Shining, we the, had fog, the Fog, uh, a bunch of movies in the eighties that yeah. were like, and this, yeah, this one didn't even rank in the top ten of you know grossing uh, movies that year. You're listening to Dead Candy. Dedicated entertainment for the dead. Hola, ghoulos. It's me, Raul El Ghoul. And I'm coming to you to ask you, follow me on El Instagrams at Raul El Ghoul. Or in Espanol, at Raul El Ghoul. Anyway, I am the newest creature feature ghost host with the most. I know all the things of is spooky things and that's the story I'm sticking to it. If you want to laugh, you can come there too. Because if I wasn't called El Ghul, I'd be called Raul El Funny. 
Follow me on Instagrams at Raul El Good. Hey, when it comes to ghosts, hosts, and spooky stuff, you can do a lot worse than Raul, but it doesn't get much better. <laughs> Don't be a stupid. Be a gulo. Adios. But getting back to the opening, the opening is POV. Well, where have I seen the POV shot to open where the movie? Where have we seen where that? Where have we seen that? <laughs> of course, yeah, we see it in Halloween. I mean, it's the point of view. You would later f- see it is Michael Myers. Well, this one is no different. It's the point of view of the killer, but you never see who the killer is. Right. It's actually a, a pretty uh, interesting opening. They freeze frame on the on the final victim. Which I love. You were talking about that earlier, about yeah. uh, the human element, or like putting yourself in that person's shoes, essentially. Well, it's something that we've kind of talked about before, but we can talk about again, was we, we put the Slasher's Paradise eye on it. We watched the movie again and try to really sink into it as if it's the first time, or just really pay attention. Because yeah. like you said, when it's on TV, we just kind of glaze over. Like We know the movie. We've yeah. seen it when we're way too young, probably, but way too we watched young. it so many times that we just know it. So we just kind of like, yeah, it's on. But then when you go back and actually like turn off all the lights mm. and you watch the movie again, you're like, ooh, okay, I can put myself in the shoes of the victims or the yeah. killer or whatever it is. Yeah. And so the the first kit the first kill was Barry and Claudette. Well, hold on. Just hold it. Hold it. I just want to talk about Barry. Okay. How he okay, <laughs> folks, it opens with a group of counselors around a fireplace. One of that one of them playing the guitar. They're all doing camp songs. Yes, and Barry is definitely laying on the I charm or the I want to do you right now charm yes. with uh, what was her name again? Claudette. Claudette. It is hard, Lance, to try and flirt with someone across a room while singing a gospel hymn. Michael, row your boat ashore. <laughs> and Barry is choosing to have his deep vibrato moment on the hallelujah part. He's like, hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> That's too much. But it's like, good. he's definitely giving her the eyes. And there's like something, I, I think there's something kind of sinister to that, right? <laughs> sinister? I didn't know. No, no, no. no I, I mean, not, not for Barry, but the setting in general, okay. how there is... Uh, there is terror, there is evil present, mm-hmm. but these group of kids are singing a gospel hymn. Mm. I don't know, man. There's just something about that that adds, adds extra uh, suspense and or terror for me, at least. I mean, I grew up, you know, a Catholic church going yeah. kid. You know, there's something about that, I think. But I don't know. I think it's just props to Barry because he succeeds. You know, he gets Claudette to see his vibrato moment. <laughs> He's he's locked eyes with her through uh-huh. this whole thing. There, you're right. There is something mixed with the wholesomeness mm-hmm. and the scary, and it's it's. And the movie opens with crickets, and there's no oh. there's no real music except for these kids singing. And there's something so terrifying about crickets and it darkness. Op- but crickets, and if anyone follows me on Twitter at DannyGo16, you will know that I had a recent <sighs> thought. As to uh, things getting bad raps, the loon, the common loon, the bird. Yes. You know, it makes that sound. Woo! Woo! 
You know, it makes it. It looks like a duck. It's a duck. It's a duck, man. Well, it's not really a duck. It What's looks more like birds a, on this episode. But I'm saying, what, what, what I'm saying here is, is <laughs> what I'm saying is that you also hear the loon, and the loon call finds its way into a lot of wilderness-based horror movies. So I want. I was like, do loons get a bad rap? But then you see a picture of a loon, and it's got red eyes, and it's all black, and you're like, all right, you actually are terrifying. So you you, you deserve it. But it looks like a duck on water, but it's actually a bird. But anyway, crickets, the loon, you, you're very much like, oh, it's in the wilderness. So yeah, I like the opening, but yeah. I love a quiet opening. You know, we get it kind of with Black Christmas and... Um, and I just I love Halloween the too. Hall- well, Halloween opens with the with the trick or treat song, but whatever. Right, and, and we'll we'll talk about the soundtrack in a minute and the significance of it in this film, Friday the Thirteenth. But um, I what I really want to talk about, get back to, is Claudette. Yes, um, watching it this time around I, with that different eye on it, Claudette's death is so much more interesting to me now because it. We do a, tr- a true crime podcast on Dead Candy, but. Uh, it kind of makes me think of the true crime, the last moment of somebody. Mm-hmm. She is up in the attic. She just saw her boyfriend or Barry, whoever Barry is to her. Right. The, the fellow flavor of the minute. Yeah. Right. Um, Dying. We saw that. We saw that happen. So now Claudette is struggling. She has nowhere to go in the attic. And she kind of fumbles into a corner, has nowhere else to go. And the killer comes and we get the slow motion uh close up of her face and it reminds me of like true crime or like Mm -hmm. a real death there's something to it and there's so much cheese in this movie and i think a lot of it was i i remember i don't know who the quote came from from but in this movie they had said we just wanted to get the cameras rolling and see what we could make we just wanted everything to go off and make a full-length movie so when you see there's like some real elements of this Mm -hmm. especially with claude as one of the first ones and we'll talk about marcy later um, but there's this real moment of like, that was her last moments. And it kind of captures the last moment of somebody being killed very well. I think so. I actually, uh, you know, because this movie for its copycatness that it is mm-hmm. of Halloween, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't feature a masked killer. It just features an unknown assailant, but like there are definitely some aspects of it. It's all about when we say it's simple, it's suspense, right? It's yeah. building up. It's building up. It's about, it's about the victim unknowingly or, you know, kind of cautiously exploring their surroundings, knowing that something is up and basically going to end up meeting their, their doom. They're all doomed. That's actually crazy. Ralph. Who's like the prophet in this movie? I mean, because look, these kids are definitely warned for the most part. Yeah. They're definitely warned that there's something going on at that camp and that camp isn't like the best thing. One is even told to quit before, you know, they're kids. They're know-it-alls. You know what I'm saying? Can mm-hmm. you dig it? You know? Um, <laughs> uh, I do have to give a shout out to Officer Dorf. Yes, you do. Yeah, Officer Dorf, who's uh, looking for Crazy Ralph because, mm-hmm. you know, he's a bit of a nuisance on the town, you know, spouts his gospel, rides a bike with no seat cushion. Oh. It's just like, that's so uncomfortable, <laughs> you know, but he's crazy and he's Ralph. So he's like, you're all doomed going up to Camp Blood, ain't ya? Ain't ya? It's got a death curve. So he's like the... Uh, I, and I know, and, and I'm failing my theater teachers from college, and I do apologize. But it, there, there's definitely the, there's a Shakespearean element to his character. Is is like the herald, or I'm not even gonna try. But he's basically the the prophet, the the mm. the, the, the 
yeah, he's like the harbinger, you know, he's like mm-hmm. the guy who's like, you know, or the, the character who's saying that this is going to happen. Heed my warnings. Don't go into the woods. Yeah. There is evil that lurks out there, but he's painted in such a batshit crazy way that nobody want, <laughs> really gives a shit. And they're like, no, nah, it's just Ralph. Even like one of the townspeople's like, shut up, Ralph. You know, I mean, so he's easy to write off. But like at the end of it, you're like, oh, Ralph wasn't crazy. No, Ralph you know? knows all. This camp is not just, it's not just this year that this camp was trying to be opened. As the guy who's giving uh, Annie a, a ride to, well, halfway to Camp Crystal Lake, he tells her, you know, they try to open this year and this year. Yeah. And, you know, the, the water was bad this year. There was a bunch of fires. What? No. Uh, so, yeah. The history is in 57, Jason drowned. Yeah. In 58. The murders. Uh, the, the two murders. In 62, the water is bad. I'm like, what was Pamela doing in 62? How did she make the water bad? Like, what was the drama behind that? She put the dead bodies in there, probably. Probably, right? It's like cabin fever. That's all you need to do, really. Yeah. That's all you really need to do to make water bad because out there, you just, you know, there's probably like a tank or something. Then there's fires. It was like, she was Uh trying to find her groove. Like, am I an arsonist? Am I a murderer? Do I poison people? Am I a waterer? Am I a (laughs) waterer? So I'm curious. I'm curious about the, the 50. 58 through like 62, 63 mm-hmm. years. I want to know what Pamela was doing in that oh, time. Oh, she, she was, yeah, she was definitely finding her groove. Um, <laughs> but there's definitely a wholesome vibe to most of the beginning. Yeah. Because I, I remember, I t- what did I talk about? What was it? What was I forget. Ah, uh, shit. I forget the one where it's like, let's all get a group together and go camping. Yeah. Remember I said? I, I think it was My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. yeah. Was it? I think so. It might have been. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Well, basically what I'm saying, this is like these group of kids are young, you know, they're hot, you know, their hormones are flowing. Some of them are good at like handy stuff. So there's a bit of sexiness, you know, oozing off of like some of the men. Some of the girls are just like a little bit more forward with themselves, with, you know, with their sexuality. There's a lot going on. And like you, you could remember that age. And some of us, you know, maybe we're still hovering around it and never left it. But what the point is, is that there's a there's definitely a fun a fun sort of theme attached to what each of these may be experiencing. They're like, Oh yeah, we're going to, we have archery. We're going to be swimming. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, we're all hot for each other. You know, this is going to be the best fucking summer of our lives. You know, Absolutely. why not? Yeah, of course. It's a, it's a perfect setup for somebody in their teens. Yep. Which I think they're a little older, obviously, but <laughs> Oh yeah. Bill's got a five o'clock shadow. Yeah. I mean, I mean they're very mature for their age, but we'll yes. say, but we guys are, I mean, Kevin Bacon is in this. Okay. So a very young Kevin, Bacon. a very young Kevin Bacon. Um, you know, talk about horror movies launching stars. Mm. Let's be honest. Kevin Bacon, everyone has their deal, right? Kevin Bacon is the Friday the 13th star that got launched. Johnny Depp is the Nightmare on Elm Street star. Of course, Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. And then again, Josh Hartnett in, you know, the later in H2O. I mean, later in the Halloween franchise, Jennifer Aniston and Leprechaun. I mean, I can keep going, folks. You know, everyone at one point or another may have. George Clooney was doing a lot of cheesy horror movies. Oh, yeah. So that's true. Everyone pretty much got their launch. Uh, not everyone, but like big stars. And this is this is Kevin Bacon brand new. And you see him. And it's like. This is Footloose, Kevin Bacon. This is the the bacon is just out of the package. You know, hasn't even been, it hasn't even sniffed a frying pan. I'll tell you that right now. Right. And and that's what's so great about it. Like there's, there's just young, fun talent. It's like we will eventually get to the burning. Like there's young talent in the burning and there's a very similar take on the burning that is, reminds me so much of Friday the 13th, but 
just young, fun talent, people having a good time. And we just got the cameras rolling. Yep. And there's a killer on the loose. You I, know? I think what was going to be so special about this movie and what, I mean, because if you haven't seen this movie, folks, please take it all in before you hear, well, you already heard the spoiler, but the point is, is that I think that's what was so huge was that you never saw who the killer was. You just saw what the killer was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally the reveal is, holy shit, you're the killer. Right. It's, I mean, it's, it's definitely a murder mystery. It's definitely a whodunit, but they went where Halloween didn't go for the goriness Friday the 13th did and actually had to be asked by the MPAA to, mm-hmm. to, to edit because it was too gory. Yeah. Well, they actually, and they actually let more go than they want, than they should right. have. They regretted uh, letting this cut of the film go. And there's actually an unrated cut and a theatrical cut. There's a lot of backlash over the theatrical. Yes. Um, so for part two, they actually asked the filmmakers of part two to dumb down some of the gore. So actually, Friday the 13th part one is more gory than Friday the 13th part two. Which you wouldn't suspect because sequels definitely want to raise the bar, go right. further. There are rules. There are rules, Lillian. No, there are rules, right? That's what Randy, rest in peace, always says about, you know, the new iteration of, of a horror franchise is like you have to up the stakes. Right. Uh, which I do think that the sequel does up the stakes mm-hmm. in the sense of like they elaborated on hell. They introduced a f- the, the psycho killer that we know. I said psycho killer. Far better. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so brand new Kevin Bacon sharing this awesome. I got to talk about this scene because look. Guys, I don't want to talk about your shit, right? <laughs> it is. But I'm from Texas, right? I'm, uh, as y'all may know or not, I'm from the from the ranch, uh, South Texas area, and uh, we pray for. There's two. There are two moments. There are only two ways of life for a rancher. It's praying and waiting for rain, and then enjoying the rain while it's there. Okay. Okay. That's it. Uh, so I've experienced my fair share of thunderstorms and or rain and stuff but there is a scene in this movie that when i saw it and when i was able to actually appreciate it and it's a line by kevin bacon anytime i get a a a chance that there may be some rain in the forecast i say kevin bacon's line he's on the uh lake shore with annie right uh, sorry, not Annie. Marcy. Uh, Marcy. He's on the lake shore with Marcy, who are they're definitely a thing. They're definitely hot for each other. It's definitely gonna. It's good. You know, it's gonna go down between them two. Um, and you know, they're embracing. They're embracing each other. Mm-hmm. You got the water. Oh, come on, guys. This this is so awesome. It's so romantic. And then you know the worst. The worst fake lightning that you can possibly <laughs> imagine shot like flashes from, you know, uh, you know, off camera and onto them. It just lights them up in a way. It's like, uh, did a transformer blow up? Like, why does it look that way? In any case, Kevin Bacon's character uh, responds to it. He's like, oh, it's going to storm. Can tear down that value like a son of a gun. Every time, without fail, you can ask my fiance, you can ask my parents, you can ask anybody who knows anything about anything that's associated with me. I will say, huh, it's going to storm. Yeah, I could tear down that valley like a son of a gun right before it's about to rain or if it's going to rain. And may, sometimes I scare the rain away. But in this movie, he does not scare the rain away because for the better part of it, at least halfway, it is 
pouring pouring rain and my favorite part of that scene Mm -hmm. is marcy marcy actually tells a story that's kind of foreboding where it's this dream that she's had several times throughout her life about uh this rain coming down and it sounds like pebbles are falling and then all of a sudden the rain turns to blood and then the raindrops turn into footsteps or something like that and it's Mm -hmm kind of terrifying but she goes off on this little like dream tangent kind of a thing and she's like almost lost in this nightmare and only a little bit of the horror elements have really touched the movie so when Mm -hmm. you get that you're like oh that's it's another deep cut it reminds me of the claudette they they both hit me the same way of a very realistic absolutely take on death and life and dreams and you know even a foreboding idea that this death is coming and it's always been coming for you in the same way because the whole night it's raining oh but it's raining yeah (laughs) like that must have been yeah i mean like i don't know what it takes to create artificial rain in the sense of like because there's no way there's absolutely no way they shot that with real ring i'm just i just can't you maybe know, well especially on this budget how do they that's do what i'm that? saying it's like yeah. did all of the budget go to the rain because <laughs> that shit is pouring and it is it is gratuitous rain like it is whoa it's a storm i want to be involved in it's yeah. definitely a storm that i would say you know what guys let's just you know let's all come in let's, let's all go inside let's lock our doors let's bolt our windows right and let's play strip monopoly i, I knew that was coming <laughs> <laughs> what lance if you're gonna make me play monopoly let me just point that out right now if you're gonna make me play monopoly mm-hmm. first of all you have to have a gun to my head okay if you yeah. if you don't have a gun you have to dangle nudity in front of me okay yeah, that's the only way. That's it, fair because it's going to be a four-hour endeavor at least, at least four-day endeavor, <laughs> dude. I play. Last time I played Monopoly, I don't even want to talk about it. It took too long. I think I did one full calendar year at school. <laughs> no, because you know Monopoly can keep going on and on. But there's a scene, guys. Obviously, I'm alluding to a scene in the movie where and let's just talk about being crosby's son let's just talk about bill right yes bill bill in this movie is the most wholesome but honestly fellas if you're out there and you're having trouble deciding which way you want to play it you know if you're wanting to flirt with girls if you're wanting to be around girls and you feel like you don't bill is your safe sure as shit way to come off as a cool calm collected in control masculine person yeah absolutely oh oh you guys want to play strip monopoly i didn't bring it up oh well i guess yeah yeah and every time there's a situation because like okay you just you hit the lottery two girls want to play strip monopoly with you holy shit it's it's it. I mean, as a teen and as a young adult, this is fucking. This is the this is it, right? This is the dream. So you have to be like a duck on water, right? You got to be just like cool and calm above, but inside you're like hell yes, yeah, right? Absolutely. I think that's another thing we maybe should uh, you know also you know talk about. We'll probably talk about it a lot more in the other sequels. The sex element is very much a interest and drawing point to a lot of young males who are watching this movie. Yeah, I'm gonna be very honest, man. I watch these movies not only. Yeah, I watched them for the kills and they were, you know, they were they were very, you know, creative, but mm-hmm. I definitely watched them for the sex appeal. I was a young 
dude. It's all dangerous, right? Like yes. we, we flock to danger no matter what. So we we get sex, we get horror, we get scary, we get it, we get it all. And this movie, like I said, I think is more the staple for the 80s than Halloween was, though it was a ripoff of Halloween. Uh-huh. It's a cheap ripoff of Halloween. Yeah. And everything that comes after this tries to capture it, but there's just something special about Friday the 13th. It's I think it's the cast. I it's think it's definitely, yeah. That's definitely a, a huge part of it because right. this cast just works seamless together. Yeah, and it adds legitimacy. I mean, like the 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 tear the valley down like a son of a gun, yeah, right? Yeah. Like what other movie naturally set can say that line? You know, there's no other actors really. No, I mean, but like time. he needed to say that line. You know, there's just <laughs> something about because like I think every every character in this movie is pretty much fleshed out. You know, Alice yeah. is going to be the Lori wannabe, but she's going right. to be Lori. She's going to be the wholesome, you know, sweet girl who has a history with the with jack christie who is the guy who is opening up the camp whose family has a little bit of ties to the area right. who's dropped he's dropped at least twenty five thousand dollars in that thing you know <laughs> and for what you know it, it's so jack christie's the guy he's got a little bit of history with alice you can see there's a situation going on there so she's the wholesome one uh you really don't see jack for most of the you know movie essentially yeah. until, until he needs to get it um but you know bill is your you know like he's the 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 dude in charge when jack's not there he's also wholesome he's the guy who's like you know hey i need you know i need help starting the generator or whatever Mm -hmm. uh ted is the cut up yeah right that's crazy people around oh my god that that dude went for it uh there's a little bit of things that didn't age uh you know perfectly obviously in this movie a little bit of cultural appropriation as you would imagine for an 80s movie but I think Jack is pretty much, uh, you know, because there's there's certain aspects, and this is Kevin Bacon's character, there's certain aspects you're like, okay, he's going to be asshole about this, but he doesn't. And you're like, oh, he's going to be macho bravado about this, but he doesn't. Like, yeah. he kind of is He could have been a bill, too, you know what I mean? He's like, a little middle of the road, yeah. yeah. But he he definitely gets the girl. I think maybe that's his character. He uh, gets, he's the one that pretty much scores on camera yeah. uh, with, uh, with his love interest, who apparently was Ted's. Uh, you know, he gets a little jealous as he sees... Uh, Jack and and um, Marcy Marcy uh, making out and you know kissing or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of creative deaths. But what about the music, Lance? The music, Danny. What about know, the score? It's terrifying. There's only one real. Well, there's two at the end, but uh, mm-hmm. there's only one real song or one real track. Yes, but there's something else. I mean, first of all, Harry Manfredi, right, mm-hmm. is the composer. Wonderfully done. Ring. Dun, 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 dun. You talked about the the play up of you know like the action that's coming. It's a little like because that like ring that's like the it's violins and there's a lot there's a lot of strings, uh, but it's very much um, high intensity and abrupt intensity. It almost serves as a jump scare in itself. Yeah, ring. There's a little there's a little Jaws you know yeah. shark approaching to it but for the most part there's a lot there's that but that's usually when there's a chase going on but what's cool about this score is you only hear it you only hear there's one rule about rules there's one rule about this score lance you can only hear it what's the rule you can only hear it when 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 the killer is present oh isn't that cool that's an awesome yeah that's an awesome thing but it's not like hey guys Come see our new movie, Friday the 13th, audiences in the 1980s. By the way, when you hear the score, that means that the killer's present. Nobody's <laughs> fucking saying that. No. That's not a handout. That's not in the pamphlet. I'm not buying it shoes, dude. <laughs> I'm not fucking buying it a beer. Anyway. 
No, and I, and I love that. And because we grew up with these movies, this soundtrack is so synonymous to people chase. It's not a car chase kind of music. It's right. a people chase. And yep. it reminds me of stalking in the woods, going after the person or, you know, and that is, has become so synonymous to me, which I love so much. <laughs> I also got it. I also have to talk about the, um, because you, okay. So what do a lot, of, I almost opened the show that way is a ch- 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 now listen. All right. I'm not gonna talk Man. about your shit, but I have to talk it right now. Guys, I just did the Jason noise, but was never, it wasn't Jason's noise to begin with. No, it is Mrs. Voorhees channeling Jason. Pretty much saying, kill her, mommy, kill her, 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 That's what it had. That's where, guys, I'm pretty proud of myself. That, that was a great. That was pretty good, right? <laughs> I'm pretty that was, excited. That was fire. That's yeah, man. Right there, man. That's it. That was it. Uh, yeah, that's it. That So when you're hearing, because you know everyone and their grandmother will do the Jason, oh, Friday the 13th, and, and it's not C-H, C-H-C-H, and it's not ha-ha-ha as in Joker, it's Kiki mama and yes I will actually a lot of people and of course every horror fan is rolling their eyes at me right now and I get it guys but for the and we're the, there, no one's here to judge this is a paradise you came to relax you know that is where the sound the sound originated it originated with Mrs. Voorhees channeling Jason saying killer mommy over and over again and that uh you know it got attached to the to the masked man himself so that's what's really cool I think and synonymous about this whole series, of course. What but you have to talk about is that this is a hot button fan or fan thing. You know what I yes. mean? Like fans will debate. Did you know that fact? Uh-huh. So, and we we pride ourselves at Slashers Paradise of being the in between. Yeah, new fans and older fans that know this stuff. Yeah. We're trying to bring everyone to the same level, build the community, have friends. We are the bridge to Terabitia. Like we are Terabitia. What? no we're the we are the we like to be the bridge that's what we you know we didn't make the the slasher's paradise to be you know uh cerebral and you know there are some things that i will be very passionate about and so will lance but you know this is a relaxed Mm -hmm. sort of you know experts can come here and so can novices and we like to i'd like to say i'm an expert at some things and a novice at others yeah absolutely same here but you know what i am uh, a novice at being bill i'm an aunt no i can't i was not bill sorry lance i was not bill in those moments of you know it's it's time you know to 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 shoot your shot or to maybe flirt a little bit i could i would not have kept it together as much as bill did so the man gets all my fucking props all this circled back to the bill monopoly hey man hey man (laughs) rules of improv bring it back you know bring it back but i'll tell you like so Watch that scene. They're oh, okay. I'm gonna try my hardest now, Lance. And you may need to, you know, either edit this out or rope me in. But I just need to talk about something that, as a young Danny, I am maybe, you know, watching this and being a fan of. And you know what? As an older Danny, I, I, I was still looking at it, and I was exact. I was very happy with it. The underwear of choice. Okay. All I'm gonna say is that it looks nice. 
It looks very, it's all satin. All the women chose satin underwear, whether it was Marcy and or, uh, Brenda, Brenda, it's satin. It's, it looks soft. Like, you know, <sighs> men's underwear suck. You know what I mean? Like it's either, is it, is it, is it cotton? Yes. Wear it. Right. Or is it <laughs> spandex? I guess you could wear it too. By the way, very jealous of Jack as his, uh, that's Kevin Bacon as his swimsuit of choice. Speedos just comfortable enough to just be out there in speedos. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fuck it. Well, it's the eighties. Yeah. Oh, but, 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 uh, Ted is out there with jorts. That would be me. <laughs> that would be me. Hey guys, I didn't bring my swim trunks. Let me just cut off my rustlers real quick. Yeah. It's the style of the eighties. It really like this franchise captured the 80s 110 percent i totally agree so, and along with the underwear i was a fan of the underwear they're soft lance they look i don't touch them i don't have a 4d tv but they just look soft and i appreciated that and it's just a, something i'm just noticing that's it thank you i'm done no i think i think the women kind of have a, a more of a 70s vibe to this and this is you know, this came out in eighty. So right, it's on the fringe. It's not like people yeah. stopped right at oh, it's eighty. We can't do the things no, we were doing. I will say the franchise captured the eighties more. I say the women in the first film, at least, very much more captured the seventies. But um, I mean, you know, Marcy is just the fox. Brenda's kind of intriguing. I think all the women of yeah. it are intriguing from the male standpoint. Sure. And then it's the kind of boys' club. Like all the guys just kind of get along, and it's just for the fun. most part. I, I think. Uh, I think if I, I if I was talking about myself as I tend to do, I <laughs> would fall more into and I hate it, but I would fall more into a Ted. Um, but but pulling it back, I'm not. Ted was just like he was almost too obnoxious and too jokey to to like or to as far as it, that's just maybe me just being as like ah oh, dude you know you know you know. Pull it back. Pull it back a little bit. I think that's the one. You, you get the one pullback when he's a little jealous. And yeah. that's the one like, oh, he does have a heart. And he just, yeah. He just wanted the girl. But yeah, he just. But look, the 80s are definitely uh, big. The 80s decade is very much and the 90s. But the 80s for sure is a definitely heavily influencer. It's a, it's a heavy influence on both Lance and I. I think, you know, we were both born in the decade, but there's definitely aspects of it that it's just like, yeah, nostalgia be damned, right? These are things that, you know, and that's all it is. It's nostalgia at its core. It, 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 it reminds us of a time like, yeah, I would love to go back in time where, you know, it was Friday the 13th and it was Friday. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're obviously done with school for the week and all you get to do. Ah, shit. I'm going to try not to get emotional. It's like happening to me. Oh but like, I know. Let me let me live in my moment. <laughs> but the point is, is that I can remember being upstairs and there's the golden hour, man. Oh, We're talking about favorite. the time the sun is yeah. setting and all it is. And it's like. And it's like whoever's introducing it. It might have been Elvira. It might have been like uh, uh, what's her name from Up All Night. And like you know, it's like and get ready for the horrorthon. And it is Friday the Thirteenth. One, two, three, four, five, and six, or whatever you know was out at that time. Um, and it's just like oh. This is going to be scary. Can I be watching it? I mean, oh, it's like the excitement of new. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, but again, we we have to talk about there's a lightness to the franchise. There's something so much more watchable when I say when when I say that I mean Halloween is watchable and we love Halloween, mm -hmm. but it's what has always set the difference is that Michael's a little more serious. There's a different mm -hmm. tone mm -hmm. to Michael Myers and Halloween than there is to Friday the Thirteenth and Jason. We're not talking about Jason yet, but I'm talking about the franchise yeah. as a whole. There's something so watchable and fun about Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. I told you this is one of the movies 
uh, one, two, and three, especially where I would just throw it on mm-hmm. and I'd watch probably the beginning to about the last quarter of it the most. Mm-hmm. And I knew the I knew the ending. I knew I know the whole. Well, movie. Sure, yeah. But for some reason, I would just throw it on. I was so comfortable watching it. It was just such a watchable movie. Uh, this one in particular. I mean, I, I, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. I think this is another one that's like, uh, every horror fan has to have the box set. And, um, if you don't folks, of course there's like sort of, there's bundles all the time digitally, but I would definitely, uh, I'll put it this way. I have it, uh, on DVD. I have it digitally and I am thinking about buying it again. Actually, I have it on Blu-ray. I don't have it on DVD. What am I? Idiot. Uh, but I'm thinking about buying that box set again for screen factory, shop factory, screen factory, same people. Yes. Uh, I'm thinking about buying it from then. I saw yours. It looks awesome. Yeah. I just cracked it open. Yeah. Is it great? I'm, I'm excited to really like dive into it. We just, I literally just cracked it open and I'm like, there's all of this. Yeah. I'm trying to find it all and figure it out. Cause I, I do, you know, you've got to mention this before. Like, am I more of a Michael Myers fan? Am I a Jason fan? I love both of them very much. Michael has the edge. Michael has to have the edge. I like, more of the thrill, like more of the serious tone, but man, Jason is fun. Friday the 13th Jason is, is fun. Is, yeah. I mean, you know what else Lance is also the, uh, it's interesting when you watch Friday the 13th, 1980, the one we're watching right now, the one we're talking about right now, the stalking techniques yes. don't really change. No. Between, I mean, they eventually get a little bit more hokey as like the series goes on, and we will definitely dive into that. But the stockingness of the mother, Mrs. Voorhees, is definitely inherited by Jason. Uh, it's a little bit of a gray area as to did he, well if he died, guys, if he drowned in the lake, you know, because he wasn't a very good swimmer. If he dried in the lake, dried, died in the lake, why is he alive and stalking people and killing them? Right? Right. Yeah, it's kind of there's. Like every franchise that kind of goes on too long, it definitely jumps the shark, yeah. essentially. And it really didn't even have to. It I didn't. Mean, I think it kind of it did get a remake, and I think the remake kind of proved like all we want was Jason and you know the stalking and the killing. Uh, you didn't have to jump the shark. You didn't have to halfway go to Manhattan. You didn't. <laughs> you didn't have to make him a full zombie. No. I mean, like, at, I mean, if you're watching Freddy versus Jason, and sorry to jump a little bit, but if you're watching Freddy versus Jason in the beginning. Jason's view, you know, he's seeing his mom and she's like, basically you have to introduce this character again. And she's like, do you know what makes you special, Jason? No matter what they do to you, you cannot die. You can never die. I'm like, who the frick wrote this? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I get it. Uh, they have done a lot to Jason and he keeps on surviving, but there's like the simplicity is not having to explain it over and over again, I think, a lot of times. So, right. Everyone knows the story at this point. What I will say about this movie in particular, Friday the 13th, what I feel like the movies can't capture anymore is the darkness. It's it's a low budget film. Mm-hmm. The lighting is so sparse. A lot of harsh shadows. A lot of harsh shadows, but also there's a lot of times when they're filming out outdoors and it's just a black background and there's something kind of creepy to that absolutely anything can be out there because we don't see the killer to the very end we don't know who the killer is so the killer at all times could be out there by the way there's a scene where um you were just talking about a little bit ago where they're all on the deck mm-hmm. and um you know we, we got the 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 speedos going on ah, we're yes. just enjoying a day in the sun i i don't i'm so curious i haven't ever asked anybody about this but we know that somebody's stalking the kids from the woods mm-hmm. and, and i think it's brenda that actually notices mm-hmm. like what is that mm-hmm. 
And then they go to a shot of the woods. Are you always looking for their every time, every single time, okay. every single time we are always looking for whoever it is because in look, the woods. You, you, when I say, when we say you never see the killer, like you see like the back of the killer, they, they're trying to keep it ambiguous the whole time. Yeah. You see the feet, you know, you see the legs, uh, you, you hear, uh, you see, the <laughs> you see the hands, whether they be a woman's hands or not. Um, but the point is, is that like, it's very much left up to the imagination. It could honestly be anybody you're, you're, you're wondering. And they really don't talk about Jason. They just talk about that something happened in 57 yeah. and it's been cursed ever since, you know, that's pretty normal. That's yeah. pretty nice setup. But up until it get when it, when it's time to start talking Turkey is what I'm talking about. When people need to start dying and dying bad, uh, badly, you know, things get a little bit more like, okay, no more. We're not being, we're not being, uh, coy with it we're gonna show you we got we have to show you eventually and yes. eventually is they show you everyone dies you know jack christie dies everyone bill jack um ted annie but that annie definitely died uh brenda brenda and marcy they are all dead so we're left with alice who is finding all these bodies akin to laurie strode finding them in the in the Finding them in the in the home, and it's just left up to the final girl mm-hmm. and the killer, and rolling up in her Jeep Wrangler, Mrs. Voorhees just pops off, and it's played by Betsy Palmer, who did not get a warm reception, quite frankly, for doing this movie. No, her fans hated it. Why? Because she's wholesome. She she she's, was like on TV. She, she was, was on TV. She was a sitcom actress. Gene Siskel. Folks, and if you know, if you want to look up any sort of trivia, you know, Cisco and Ebert yes. uh, ripped her so bad for being in this movie. First of all, nobody at the time, this was very, this might as well have been porn on TV or in the theaters. Might as well have been for the way these critics were reacting. Gene Siskel tore this movie apart and her in particular, he was so heated. What an unprofessional. He was so heated with... Uh, and this is, of course, according to trivia, so heated with her being in this movie and doing what she did and the betrayal on the to her fans that in his review published her address and urged fans to write her and protest her uh, idiot apparently posted the wrong published the wrong address. Yes. Yeah, uh, if that's true, that would be friggin hilarious. But uh, that is definitely the story. And what's funny is that Betsy Palmer didn't really give a shit and care for this movie. No. Why? Because at the, it is known <laughs> that at the at the first I think read through of the script she she said this is a piece of shit and threw the script away and I don't know if Victor Miller was there or anything, but like they retold this. This is the story. She even say it like she, Betsy Palmer saying, oh, I thought it was a piece of shit, mm-hmm. but I needed to buy a new car. Yeah. So I figured this will be out quick enough. I get a nice little payday. I'll buy a new car. Nobody oh. will see it. Oh. Oh. oh, people saw it, Betsy. <laughs> I wonder what car she got. A Datsun. A Datsun. A, I hope a Jeep, a Jeep Wrangler because she kill. She is first of all hauling ass in that when she kills Annie. Mm-hmm. She's like you know driving it around in the in the rain and such. But yeah, final showdown. She shows up right in front of Alice, and it's a it's Alice's 
I was watching with the with the subtitles on. Yeah. And you know how some 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 subtitles care and some subtitles don't. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because it's like yeah. they're like, oh, I'll paraphrase what he said. Like, right. no, say everything. Uh, these subtitles definitely cared because it's like yelping in horror, you Ooh, know, wow. rising in suspicion, you know, in parentheses. And yeah. such. Um, so when uh, Mrs. Voorhees is basically making herself known to Alice and saying, oh, it's it's fine. Let me. Are you OK? Everything's OK. And Alice is like hysterical. She's like, oh, they're going to kill you. And my favorite line. There are so many lines that Mrs. Voorhees says that are very exciting, Lance, mm-hmm. you know. The counselors were too busy making love. They weren't paying attention when the young boy drowned. His name was Jason. You see, Jason's my son. And today is his birthday. All the teeth. All the teeth. She's showing all the teeth. And those are all great, great lines. Jason should have been watched every minute. He He wasn't a very good swimmer. I love that line. But my favorite line, I think, is her creepiest line. Mm. Alice is warning her please don't go over there everyone's dead don't he'll die too or he'll kill you too or they'll kill you too and Mrs. Voorhees just says I'm not afraid let that sink in folks it's like why wouldn't you be afraid and oh now we know why like as you watch it the second time you're like I'm not afraid because I did it yeah you know what the I'm saying? smile on her face is so sinister. I'll use your word. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, then she, you know, eventually tells Alice her whole master. It's like the evil villain telling the whole master plan. And she's obviously crazy because she not only can channel her son, and uh, she blames every counselor that comes back, essentially, on as if it's real time. So she turns on Alice and says, look what you did to him. Yeah. Look what you did to him. <laughs> 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 she has a sort of like high pitch. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize to you uh, folks using headphones. Well, what I love about that is that it sets up a story. The the 20 years that she has been haunting this camp. And mm-hmm. she is now that we know all the stories that are about the camp blood is all because she's been haunting this camp. Anybody yep. that messes with the camp, she's going to come after you or do something to make sure then nobody inhabits this camp and you will be punished if you do. Um, how terrifying though. And then the mm-hmm. fight begins between her and Alice and, and, and the cat and mouse. Yeah. It, it's my only thing about the movie that like I have a, an issue with. Okay. Every person in this movie meets an ultimate, not no questions asked end when they meet the killer. <sighs> Betsy, you Betsy Palmer obviously does all a lot of these fight scenes herself. And it's like, you know, she's a little older. She's not, a, you know, she's not a, a stunt coordinator, you know, coordinated actor or she's trying her best. It's you find it kind of hard to believe like, well, but then again, maybe she just snuck up on everybody. And like, that's, that was actually the thing. That's yeah, the I'll thing, take it right? back. Yeah. We, because we from so many of the victims, we actually see the reaction like, oh, hey, didn't see you there. or Oh, I'm so sorry. No, that's see, true. They see a woman. And you think back, like, it was a much younger woman in 1958. But right. uh, you see this woman, like, oh, sorry. And you look innocent enough. And then it's a surprise attack sort of a thing. So, yeah, like, it does make sense. No, you're, you're right. I'm going to go back on that. But I will also actually throw a lifeline and be a little bit uh, sympathetic to Mrs. Voorhees. Because she was the cook at the original camp. <laughs> she was preparing meals, as she says, while her son was drowning. She's like, I'm working. 
Y'all are the counselors. Right. You know what the problem is, is that not the problem, but like what is the, uh, I guess the thought is because Jason was different. He was a little different. Jason was a little different. And folks, these are words that I'm reading straight from the screenplay. The description of Jason is he was a mongoloid kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and other movies have taken it as far as to say that he was bullied and such. We just know that, you know, if he couldn't swim or was not a very good swimmer, why was he so deep into the lake? Right. And some people have gone as far as to say it was never. I think, no, it was actually uh, Steve Miner, who is the director of two and three, who said, mm-mm. Uh, this is stupid. We shouldn't make Jason the killer because Jason is just a figment of her imagination. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I read that as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very interesting take on but it. Did, so like he's he's like, no, Jason never dies. She's just crazy. I'm like, no, Jason died. And Jason was her kid. It's just, you know, she was the cook there. So she probably pulled some strings. You're like, hey, let me get my kid in. Not that you have to pull a lot of strings, but like people back then, especially in the 50s, were probably cutthroat mean to different looking uh, yeah. people especially you know kids would have been assholes so yeah um why was he drowning or why was he in the lake so late you know maybe he was thrown in by the counselors they didn't want to deal with his ass anymore or maybe other kids you never know very possible i think there's so much up in the air I, it doesn't seem that there was any intention to bring jason into this down the road i right. i don't know about that but but the final chase I have to talk about the final chase. I have to talk Please about do. parts of the final chase. Please do. One of my favorite parts is Alice is trying to hide in one of the cabins and she like, <laughs> she <laughs> hides behind like, um, like a shelving or like a cabinet or something like that. And it reminded me so much of being a kid playing hide and go seek and you find the perfect hiding spot and the person's oh, yeah. at eight and you're like, fuck, this isn't going to work. Yeah. She like gets behind it. It's like, yeah, this, this no, this isn't going to work. And she goes like into a cabinet or into a, uh, like a closet or something like that. It, it makes me laugh every single time yeah. I see it. Cause it reminds me of being a kid, like eight, nine shit. This isn't going to work. They're definitely going to find me here. I got to go find <laughs> another spot. It makes me laugh every single time. It's my favorite part of the whole chase. Yeah. Yeah. She does. She has a little bit of a Kevin, Kevin McAllister thing where she tries to like hide, you know, a booby trap or safeguard herself, but it just doesn't work. Like no. we're talking about, and there's, uh, I don't think we mentioned it, but obviously there are a lot of POV shots, but when there's POV, uh, of two characters in the same scene. Mm-hmm. We see it with Annie and the truck driver. Yes. We definitely see it with Alice and Mrs. Voorhees. They are looking straight to camera and there's a lot of, uh, I think a nerve, a nerving, a nerviness. You're unnerved okay. <laughs> as you're watching. Cause it's like an extra, like seeing the way Betsy Palmer stares at the camera. It's almost like in her sinister, like she's already kind of like said, yes, I'm the killer and I'm going to kill you. Yeah. There's some like, uh, it's Alice is throwing all the shit at her. Right. Yeah. And she's just like brushing it off. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's like yeah. extra creepy. The, no, the face yeah. of the, she's like kind of wearing like a constant smile. Huh? What did I say about smiling in horror movies? Oh, yeah, we said it in that uh, hereditary, right? Yeah, if you smile as you're being extra creepy, that is your extra creepiness. It's, it's so yeah. It's it's it, the the chase is is going, and you know it's a lot of wrestling, and you know Alice gets the upper hand like six or seven times. That's overdoing it, but she does get the upper hand, and she's like, okay, this would obviously knock any normal person out. I have survived, and no. The final, final fight is going to take place on the shores of the lake. Yes. And we have a bit of a wrestling match. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, 
I feel really bad for Mrs. Voorhees because she's wearing that blue sweater and it's one of those puffy sweaters, Lance, and a lot of sand is getting in that sweater. Okay. So almost like I don't want to deal with that sand. You might as well chop my head off. But at least she's not wet. She hasn't gotten into the water. So there's a, it's not that bad. It's not that. But she's adja- she's adjacent to the water, so maybe she's just moist. Yeah. Well, yeah. The water, the uh, sand is, or it is kind of sandy and uh, wet and all this kind of stuff. You do see them rolling around, and the dirt's coming up on them. And dude, I give it, I give it up to Betsy. Like she was rolling around. In oh the dirt. yeah, she's taking bumps. She really wanted right. that car, man. Yes, yeah, she <laughs> did. Like for saying that this is shit, and I uh, hope nobody sees it, and all this kind of stuff. Like she really went for it, and she took some bumps. Oh. She- Along the way. She's a pro, man. It's like Ric Flair taking bumps at the end of his career. Yeah. (laughs) But it's, you know, a lot of people say, who is the machete wielding hockey mask killer? Right. And of course, that's Jason Voorhees. Yes. But if you said, who is the machete wielding character in Friday the 13th? You could say, well, it's Jason, but it's also Mrs. Voorhees. She grabs a machete. She does. And it's like. Machete ends up being like the 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 weapon of choice for Jason. Kind of. I mean, like he does use a lot of stuff, but it's the machete- synonymous with Jason. But if you actually watch through, like he's a jack of all trades. I mean, he right. uses a lot of things, but it's the synonymous weapon. Of he his. should be the ultimate woodsman, right? Yeah, totally. and he is. Like, especially in part two uh, and, you know, all of them, actually, he has an interesting kill of almost everything. Mm-hmm. You know, the the machete really makes its way into like when it was like the tail of the tape between Freddy versus Jason. But anyway, right. uh, she, yeah, brings a machete in, gets the machete knocked away. And there's the final moment. And Alice has got the upper hand. They're about, I don't know, 12 feet apart. And Alice says, Fuck it. This girl is not going to leave me alone. I need to end it all. And the music heightens. Slow motion. (laughs) And Mrs. Voorhees knows. She's like, I can't do anything but wait in horror. (laughs) Her mouth opens. Her eyes are wide. Alice is charging her with the machete and chops her fucking head off. The wrong way. Uh, <laughs> she chops it off on on her left side and the cut opens from the right. It's just bad. It was just like, you know, yeah. uh, mismanaged practical effects. And Tom Savini even says it. He's like, oh, dang it. But like that scene had to be filmed, obviously, without Betsy Palmer, because right, they're right. like, we're not going to we're not going to we're not going to have her do this. And when if you see the uncut version, I think that's the only time that the hands kind of flail. Yeah. When you see that version, the hands flailing over the the headless corpse, it's Tom Savini's hand. It's a yeah. man's hand. They're it's man's hands. Very hairy, uh, yeah. masculine hands. Wearing a class ring. Class which I, ring. Was, <laughs> which I always thought was like an, was always an interesting. But I think what did he say that anytime you do see hands, they are his. I think. Oh, but really? I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, huh. I, I just because that just makes sense. You're having a lot of pickup shots. That makes a lot of sense, but the one time that you really notice it is this last shot yeah. where these hands come up and they're just like, it's, he's got, he's a dark, darker, yeah. hairy guy. Yeah, yeah. Tom, so, yeah, he's, he's sexy as hell. I'll tell you that much. Uh, just based on his work. Well, but he's also posting, he's also sex machine in, in from Dustal Dawn, lest we forget, <laughs> but posting shirtless 60 plus year old birthday pics where he's like ripped as shit. And I'm like, okay, I'll never be that. Give at this age man. he's at you know anyway yeah i'm giving it up to the man uh creates a lot of good horror special effects he uh created bray wyatt's uh yeah 
His mask. The, the fiend mask, yeah. Corey Taylor's terrible mask, but that was on Corey Taylor, not on uh, He just goes from direction. Yeah. You know, he's like, oh, this is what you want, I'll do it. <laughs> uh but 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 so Alice is definitely the final girl. Uh says, you know what? I don't want, want to go back to the cabins. They were never very safe to me. I'm going to get myself into a canoe and canoe myself out <laughs> into the lake. What? <laughs> what I talked about earlier, the darkness, right? Like, and just, this is where it kind of starts to fall through the cracks a little bit. It's yeah. like, well, I killed the killer. I guess I'll just take a little stroll out into the lake instead of getting into a car and driving out of the lake and going to the cops and everything. Sure. She canoes out into the darkness, the vast darkness. Yes. In the lake of all fucking things, water, darkness, everything. I'm going to just, and she doesn't have a a paddle. No, she starts paddling with her hand. Like she could, like if you were like, okay, well let me get out here because maybe there might be another killer. She, if you don't go out with a paddle, you won't end up in the center of the lake like she no. did. You'll probably go out five feet and curl them right back because of right. the way the, the water's moving. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, read a book about water. Come on. So <laughs> so into the darkness she goes. Right. And snap, it's morning. Ah, but it's it, but the danger's over. The killer's been killed, Lance. Yes. The danger's over. Yes. Right? Right. Maybe. Maybe left. So we get this very serene moment. This is where the soundtrack changes. Actually, this, yes. this is the first time that I remember it changing. Is the soundtrack is we have a new song or a new new track? It reminded me of fifth grade promotions. Yeah, like somebody was just playing like this, like generic, happy sort of actually just generic and like neutral song of like a procession of like a ceremony. It's like dun dun dun. Yeah. But it's like, it's like the music is being played through the VHS because you can hear like the tape. Uh-huh. Line. Yes. There's something weird to the, the soundtrack. Yeah. It's very, but it, it is kind of serene and it's this kind of weird moment and she's awake. It's not like she just wakes up. No, because she, she obviously, you don't hear it because you're hearing the music, but you can, you see that the co- that the police have arrived at yeah. the shore. Right. She's definitely in the center of the lake. They've arrived at the shore. Uh, and she's having the, it's like this, it's supposed to be like a ser- yeah, serene moment. Like you said, it's like, ah, the danger is gone. I can enjoy yeah. life as it is. And I'll just say what happens. And then we'll talk about a little bit about like, you know, All right. the little funny part about it. <laughs> but what happens is like, she's, she's got this like look outlook on life. Um, beautiful crystal blue eyes, by the way, yeah. uh, Alice has. And I'll also say that, you know, she's got this like, you know, very sweet nature about her. Every when it was her time to actually strip from Napoli, it was her time to to, oh, to yeah. take off a shirt. Uh, the the game got interrupted, but they even comment on it. Like uh, Bill asks, he's like, "Hey, were you going to go through with it?" And because like you're not the one that would go through with it, yeah. Brenda over here, yeah. she had a girl. We named her Brenda. No, uh, Brenda was like in her full like you know brown panties. So it's yeah. like uh you would you would expect that from brenda but you wouldn't expect it from alice so you you know bill was playing it you're like oh okay okay never mind, never mind. Yeah. but but anyway alice is on the lake triumphant music the, the danger is gone and she kind of rises up from the canoe kind of outlook you know looking up to the horizon and out of nowhere <laughs> from the lake behind her <laughs> jason the boy in the lake dives over grab put his puts his arm around her and pulls her down into the water and she falls out of the canoe another flash 
forward and yeah. she's in she's at the hospital she's at the hospital recovering yes and this is 1980 so this is actually before halloween 2 mm-hmm. and our hospital stayed there ah so uh yeah so we get to the hospital scene and bright lights white lights did it happen and right the police are informing her is like ma'am you uh my two of my men had to pull you out of the lake we thought you died too and she's like the boy is he dead too there's no boy boy the boy, Jason, the one who pulled me into the water. And then this, well, another creepy line. Ma'am, we didn't find any boy. Mm-hmm. Then he's still there. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, creepy, no? Yeah. I think so. Okay, funny part about the scene, though. Uh, and what's Alice's real name? Um, Adrian, Adrian King. King. Uh, when she... Uh, her, I think our cue for the for the stunt boy under the water is to definitely touch the water. Right, right. So as she's coming up, she definitely fumbles. It looks unnatural. The cue looks unnatural. She gets up and she looks down to touch the water. And it's almost like she's getting ready. Because like, yes, you're about to be pulled under the water. It's 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 a, it's a stunt. And it's, it's scary shit. It's almost like I can hear um, Sean Cunningham kind of be like, all right, now touch the water. And action Dirk. Right. <laughs> it's like you can almost hear the direction in your head because she is so awkward of like, okay, they'll cut that out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it gets to that point where it is just kind of an awkward acting scene and it just I'm surprised it kept it. Well, but there's a one take. I but guess. yeah, it had to be because like you're not gonna reset that shit. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, they got it. And uh that's the that's the closest and clearest version or view you get of the Mongoloid boy Jason in the lake. And uh it turns out that the police didn't find any boy. I don't know why I'm giving him a twang, but he has to get a little bit of it. So now I'm curious. Like it was the boy real? Was, was this the a boy dream? Real? Was it a dream? <laughs> The boy of the lake. The boy in the lake. Was the boy in the lake even real? Like, they pulled her out of the water. Well, if the idea is, if this, if he was a figment of the imagination of Pamela, mm-hmm. is he now the figment of imagination through Alice? You could go deep and, <laughs> and you can go really deep and give a lot of credit to the screenwriter and say, yeah, um, tra- this is like a, a version of trauma and uh traumatic stress and how you deal with yeah. it and are they like you know is this like the the, the the personal struggles you have materializing themselves on you know whatever you can say all that yeah. but uh mrs Voorhees was definitely real uh she definitely believed that she had a boy a son who yeah. drowned in the lake and definitely killed a lot of people uh to revenge that i'm going to believe that her boy really did drown uh i'm going to believe that her boy really did resurface to pull Alice underwater because I have to believe it because Jason is cool. <laughs> and then in a year or two years later, he's, he grows up. Uh, yeah. It turns years. out that he was never under the water then though that he was under the water, but that, that the police didn't find him uh, or he was on the shores and witnessed his mom be beheaded. So he grew up his, his whole life in the, w- we'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get we'll there, get to part two. Intriguing idea, isn't it? Because we'll that's what Jenny said. Okay, well, we'll just we'll jump in the gun a little. Who's Jenny? We're talking about Friday the Thirteenth Part One. Yeah, Part One. Alice uh, survives and uh, is definitely the final girl and beheads Mrs. Voorhees, and that is Friday the Thirteenth, nineteen eighty. Thirteenth, and I can't wait to get into the rest of the franchise because 
one movie in particular, this franchise is one of my favorite horror films. So, I oh, is it? Get there. Yes, I could take a guess right now, but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it up to the moment we get to it. So we are doing the whole franchise. Remember that. So when we rate this film, remember, Danny, uh-huh. you're rating against the whole franchise. Am so, I? Yes. Okay. So uh, let's see. How many machetes do you give Friday the 13th? Friday the 13th, 1980, the original. I'm going to give it five machetes. Wow. Okay. I have to. Okay. I will give it. I will give it. Oh man, I will give it four machetes. I was going to go with four, but I, I think I feel I feel good with five. I really enjoy it, but there is one that I like even more than the first one, so I'm going to wait, and I'll definitely you know. Sounds good to me. I'll just point out the obvious is that you graded two movies with fives in the original Halloween franchise. I think. Yeah. So that could stand one to reason. Two. So that could stand to reason for me too. Okay. Ski. all right danny anything else about friday the 13th uh folks thank you so much for tuning in we'd like to invite you to tune in uh the rest of the franchise and if you are interested in the previous movies please tune in and uh, check out our our previous podcast as we uh love these timeless classics and we hope you love them too um and if you're swimming in a lake make sure you're a really good swimmer (laughs) <laughs> all right until next time when we cover friday the 13th part two remember to lock your doors bolt your windows and oh it's gonna storm can tear down that valley like a son of a gun and join us next time in our slasher's paradise hey did you hear anything you like Thanks for listening to Slasher's Paradise tonight. Did you know that you can watch our podcast? Where? YouTube.com. If you go to YouTube.com, look up Slasher's Paradise, you'll find the Dead Candy page. And there you can see all of our podcasts, as well as a few shorts that Danny and I have put out. While you're there, please subscribe. And while you are listening here, go ahead and find yourself that rate and review button. Five stars is what we would love for you guys to give us. And you know what? If you can't think of anything to say in the review, why don't you go ahead and put some recommendations and or requests of horror movies that you would love for us to talk about. If you'd like to find out more information about Slasher's Paradise or Dead Candy, the producer of our show, you can head over to Facebook.com slash Dead Candy Fix. That's D-E-D, Candy Fix. Here's to you guys. This is Slasher's Paradise. Sorry, I had to work that in. And I'm going to drink on that.